Today's show is being brought to you by contributors at Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash the education game to support the show and thanks. Hey gamers, this is Matt and today we've got a great interview, one that continues our efforts to help you learn how to become your child's head coach. Now remember, it is your job to actively build and execute your child's learning plan. Why? Because your child's school can't do it. They won't do it. School was built for a completely different time, a time when grades were more important than actual learning, when what you knew mattered, but not what you could do with what you know. That matters now. So these podcasts are meant to create nausea in the listeners, particularly the parents who watch their child take state-mandated tests and assignments. You should feel nauseous because that means your child's school is preparing you for 1985 and not 2035, where curiosity, creativity, problem-solving, and character are going to matter so much more than ever before. So with that happy introduction, let's get into our podcast. This is Matt with The Education Game. Hey, gamers. Uh, I am super excited for the conversation today, and honestly, I'm a little nervous, too, because... I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a, a parent or heck my own kids who it seems like technology is just taking over their life. And, um, you know, then today I talked to a parent who, whose son was playing Fortnite and plays it, you know, through dinner time, uh, 12 hours a day, won't talk to the family. Uh, the family goes back and forth from shutting them down entirely. And then, giving them access. And it's, 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 it's a tension that lots of parents feel. I have with us today, Demetria Menard, who is a mom who has, I won't say she's cracked the code, but she's got a strategy that seems to work for her and her family. And honestly, I've found very few folks where it does seem to work. And so I want to understand what she does. It, it's working for her. Maybe it works for others. Um, and so welcome to the education game, Demetria, uh, you're in Colorado, correct? Yes. Thanks for, um, having me. Thank you for being here. So Demetria, so why don't we start with just a little bit of your educational journey, um, and, and how you started to create kind of a philosophy. Actually, tell me about your family first, and then we'll talk about your educational journey and then how you started to build a strategy around technology. Okay. I am a mom of five kids, married for 20 some odd years. Congratulations. Thank you. Our oldest is 25 and our youngest is six. Wow. And a super long time ago (laughs) when my, my young, my oldest was starting school. um, I was a hundred percent convinced that Montessori was the way to go. I Mm. love Montessori for so many reasons And so when he was about three, we put him in Montessori school and that lasted for about two months um, before we pulled him out and we've been homeschooling ever since. (laughs) Wow. So let's, let's pause there. So what was it about Montessori? Because a lot of parents look at that as a wonderful alternative to traditional school. Nothing. I have no complaints Um, except, well, that I guess it's not true. I have two complaints. First, I missed my kid. Mm. Um, a lot. I was not, I just, you know, I did not want my kid to be raised by the system. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted my kid to be home with me and I felt like I had enough to contribute to his education that he just wasn't going to get from other places. Um, that, you know, that it kind of made the decision for me. 
yep. too. Um, we are a mixed race family. Um, and I mean, I, I say my kids are black. Yeah, I, we're, we're mixed race, but you know, <laughs> I'm a black woman. So um, well, on, the, on the streets, if they can be mistaken for black, then, then they're black. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, and yeah. and honestly, my firstborn is his, he has a different dad. He's a hundred percent black. He's okay. as dark as I am. Right. Yeah, and so, yeah. I mean, my husband doesn't care, never saw it, you know, but the world does. Yes. And there was no way that my kid was going to be raised in, I just, you know, I don't know. I grew up in Texas. Black History Month is my enemy. Um, not really. I love Black <laughs> History so much that I dislike Black History Month. It's one all of right. those where all of the, um, when I grew, when I was growing up, all of the information that you get in Black History Month, it's, it's not Black History. Black yeah. History is so beautiful and so rich. And all of the I don't know, baggage that they throw on top of it when they teach it in school, just, you know, was too much for me. So yeah, yeah, those yeah. were my two motivators. I was yeah. like, you know what, you know, it is not going to happen. No one is going to spend 20 years of my kid's life saying you were a slave. <laughs> mm, right. And Martin Luther King and yeah, I have a dream speech. That's right. exactly right. Those are the old, those are the two extremes. None of the, none of the people in the middle. Right. right. So so having um, having a, a black boy that that caused you to think differently about um, about the educational path you were taking. Yeah, well, and, and you know something else. One more thing, which is not going to be a um, critique of the school system, but a statement about how we treat black boys, right? Like mm -hmm. if my kid who was super spoiled, I'll be the first to admit it, but has no room to throw a fit because his teacher's going to send him directly to the principal's office. Yeah. Whereas the, the white kid next to him is not going directly to the principal's office. And that, that difference has always been there. I grew up with it. I saw it. And I honestly just didn't want my kids to have that experience or those sets of experiences. Wow. And I, at some point, maybe off camera, I will share with you my story, but this is about you today. Um, so, so let's keep going because so, so the mantra story didn't work. You wanted more, you, you wanted to make sure your fingerprints were all over your child's learning. Um, now let's move forward into tech. Uh, you are a person with a tech background, correct? I have a computer science degree. Yeah. Um, I started programming in high school. Um, I, also, I mean, I'm a black woman with a computer science degree. So there you go. That already is a set aside. Yeah. Uh, my husband has a math degree. And um, frankly, I love tech. I love mm. technology. I always have from age, I don't know, eight. Uh, my mom's friends were giving me electronic devices to take apart and put back together. And so I built computers. I, I am just a tech person. I remember my first cell phone. Uh, I remember when I, I got a cell phone before my dad did. And that was just a whole experience in itself. But he got a cell phone early because of me. It's just, you know, part of who I am. How interesting. Um, so, so maybe that's something else we should come back to and talk about how your, well, just briefly, how did your parents feed that interest in technology? Like, again, a lot of parents, myself included, I hesitated to expose my kids to tech. It sounds like that wasn't the case for you. Never. Um, from the first day, like I said, when I was eight or nine, I was taking apart electronics and putting them back together. If there was a broken electronic in the house, I mean, televisions, tape recorders, radios. And so they're feeding you this. They're giving you, hey, yeah. take this apart. Here, here's something else that you might like. 
Uh, and and also their friends, right? Because if it's broken beyond repair, then you don't care if the if the if if a friend's child wants to try to fix it. Well, then it turns out that I could fix it, right? Um, and and then once you fix one, it's almost an addiction. It's like you fix the next one and then the next one, and you learn how all of these devices work. Well, that's very interesting. So parents, that's lesson number one. Um, when you have stuff that's broken, you can send them to Demetria's house. <laughs> or, <laughs> or have your kid take it apart and, and see if they can put it back together. And that's, that's actually a great strategy to learn how technology of all sorts works. So that's okay. So that's you, you came up, you were interested in tech, your parents fed that tech, that interest. You end up getting a computer science degree. Now you have kids. We talked about the black boy and how you wanted to have more ownership and control over that learning experience. But now let's get into the real heart of the conversation how did you start thinking about how you were going to deal with technology with him, given that, you know, we have, you know, technology addiction, we have YouTube and, 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 and Google that'll access pornography and every sort of vice you can imagine. Tell me how you thought about this, how you managed it. Um, so I think there's a couple of things that are important when you're raising kids. One of them is the, the value of exposure, because mm. it's very difficult to make decisions if you um, are, are not exposed to the thing. And for us in our society, the thing is technology. And let's face it, technology is candy. It's everywhere, right? Mm, it sure um, is. Advertising, telephones, television. I mean, there is no getting away from it. And so first and foremost, it, it was from the first day important for me that that my child was going to be doing things with me. And I am a person who loves tech. So mm. that means <laughs> guess what? He's going to be exposed to tech from a super young age. And that was just part of how we um, interacted, right? If I am working, a lot of times I was working from home because I could, because being a programmer, um, he was sitting next to me. Um, and so there was no way that I was going to um, separate the two things. Yeah, That's first. Secondly, a lot of people are completely content with their child having television, but computers is kind of um, a, um, a different thing. And I think that there is a super important distinction between passive and active um, mm. learning. I think television is passive. You are watching the screen and I mean, your brain is turned on. And honestly, I am more pro television kids than I was before, but um, that's a different, that's a side note. Um, or my kid could have been on a computer. I chose computer. Why? Because he was always interactive. There was always something where he was clicking a mouse, typing. So in order Searching. for him to Exactly. Yep. Well, I mean, back then there wasn't as much because he's 25. So mm -hmm. his favorite thing was Blue's Clues. Um, and I went, when he was three, I want to say he was three or four, he actually um, made my first online order and it was a Blue's Clues thinking chair. And I was... <laughs> I, he actually ended up keeping it and I was super proud. I mean, then we, this is where responsibility comes in, right? Oh, Even that's though, right. So he didn't talk to you about it. No, no, he ordered it. It showed up at my door. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? <laughs> and then I was like, wow, it takes a lot of navigating to get to the clicking all the right buttons to get the chair. So you weren't angry? No, I was proud, right? I was, I mean, proud, but also like, hey, not cool to spend my money. Now we have to put... Um, these checks in place so that you don't do that again, right? Hey, okay. if you want to buy 
something, just talk to me about it. Um, well, let me pause you because I'm hearing a very different kind of mindset. I'm hearing um, there's not a, you don't have a fear of tech and you don't have a fear of your kids um, kind of getting into some trouble with tech. Absolutely. But it creates an opportunity, <laughs> teach, creates a teaching opportunity. Exactly. If, how interesting. Um, who's the senator who said good trouble? <laughs> you know, like, let's get into some good trouble. Because, you know, Is every opportunity. John Lewis? I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was. Um, you know, um, it's one of those things. So, and I, I really want to, this is important to me on several levels. Like, it's, you know, we have safeguards for all of our kids. I really want to talk about porn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to jump into it, okay? Yeah. Um, partially because I remember the day that my child, the oldest, I mean, then I was like, oh my goodness, okay, we have to do something about this. Porn, right? His first interaction with porn. Guess what? It was not because of him. It was because of a friend from down the street who was in school who learned to get to access porn at the library at school. Oh, and wow. So, we had complete trust in our kid because we knew he was never going to do right the right search terms to find porn, but then porn found us, yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, but because of the way that we set up our lives around our, our kids, the moment it happened, um, the first thing he did was come to us. And he was like, what is this? What is going uh, on? It was, wow. um, it, and so then I ended up with this long conversation with the kid who showed my kid porn with his mother, right? Wow. Because, um, you know, it's one of those things where I was not, well, first off, I was not blocking my kids, tele, uh, not television, computer. I wasn't. I didn't say you can never go to that site again. Um, none of those things, because the thing that I knew was important in the moment was to say, okay, this thing happened. Um, this is part of life. And I can either make a situation where he's ashamed of the thing mm. or I can be accepting, right? Um, so the first thing for me was, well, you were, thank you for telling me this was the right thing to do. And I agree, not the, not, not the best place to be. Let's go take care of this. And it was difficult all the way around because, of course, the first thing that happened was his, his friend felt betrayed. How could you tell oh, your mom? Right. 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 Um, and he was like, well, I, you know, if I do something that is not comfortable for me, my mom is my safe place. So the first thing that he thought to do was talk to me. Okay. I just, I got to stop you because you're, you're blowing my mind a little bit, right? So, um, because you're describing the opposite of me, right? I, I, I came, I came to this point late, right? But when my kids were, were young, I was, I was, uh, I was a tyrant. I was like, Hey, is that a cell phone in your hand? Give it to me, right? <laughs> uh, who gave you that cell phone? Uh, and no, you can't have internet access. I mean, I was very tight about it um, because of things like porn. Um, now, I will say that I've always also always felt a little uncomfortable about the, uh, you know, the safeguard measures, the, the, you know, downloadable safeguard measures, because if the kid's not able to handle and make decisions, should they have that tool in their hand and you're arguing that the minute you give that tool to them you're starting to train them about how to use it just like yeah right, Literally that, my mantra, right? um for all technology what did you say is your all mantra of, um that you give it to them so that they can start 
training themselves, <laughs> right? Um, so here's the thing, all of the internet companies that are out there, television companies, ad companies, they have one thing in mind, and that is to sell something to you That's right. or to your children. Or distract um, you. How do you inoculate yourself? I mean, really with vaccines, we take a little dose of the vaccine and then our body figures out what it is. If you, if you remove all access, how in the world is the kid gonna learn what the company is doing? Right. We have lots of conversations where someone tr is trying to tell something and I'm like, oh, look, even even YouTube nowadays, even for a five year old. Right. Um, if you are interacting with your kid and you, you're sitting there and this person is trying to sell something, the first thing that I say is, oh, look, they're trying to sell something. And then yes. I say, oh, look, this person is trying to trick you into thinking that they're your friend so that they can sell something to you. Right. And so then they start to recognize it. Bingo. OK, so what you're really getting at here is. It's, it's media literacy, heavy doses of media literacy. So they understand the game that's actually being exactly. played, right? Right. Interesting. So uh, have you heard about in Finland, they actually have that in school. They have media literacy as a part of their uh, coursework. I, yesterday, I sent a LinkedIn uh, post that talked about uh, what if instead of, you know, Texas history and Western civilization, we had classes about entrepreneurship and and media literacy. And, and that's what you're describing is you were responsible for making sure that whatever came through that phone, you were close enough to your child relationally and maybe even physically to say, huh, check that out. Guess what's happening there? And you exactly. were constantly exposing it. That is a very different model. And that is a model, honestly, that only happens when there's a, a tight time relationship between the parent and the child, isn't it? Like if he's well, at school I'm, all day I'm long not by that one no, no. <laughs> um, it's what do you think the time relationship. no it's i have a lot of you know over the years we've been homeschooling and unschooling for a while and so i have a lot of people who really handle all of this in different ways mm. um and a lot of people who unschool one of the things that they value is distance from the child right so that you can face these things and then um i almost you know um immersion but with pain right like so oh you did this well here's the consequences and it can be painful so okay so interesting for me is even those kids like they spend lots of times away from their parents they um don't have as much um you know many hours of access to their kid to their parent right mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. it's the freedom i think that matters because you fall you bump your head and acceptance and then even if it's eight hours away like, you know, even if eight hours or maybe two weeks later, you talk to your parent, right? Um, my son, the 25-year-old, when he had his first experience with porn, I was there. I, you know, I was, you know, not in the same room, but in the same house. So I had a good idea of what was going on. I have, and, and, and again, I have five kids. This is going to happen for all of them, right? And so second kid comes around and it wasn't that easy. She was a, a gymnast. And so she would spend 12 hours a day at the gym. And her first experience was not with me, but was at the gym. Mm -hmm. And her, and after when she came home, she did not talk to me about it. Mm -hmm. um, she was in fact embarrassed about it because um, all of the girls got together in a, you know, little niche and they, <laughs> you know, they yeah, yeah. Um, did what kids do at that age. Um, and, you know, it's really funny two weeks ago, maybe, in the last six months, she came to me and she was like, mom, wow, good job in how you handled that. And, <laughs> um, and how did you handle it? Now, um, I was like, same, I, you know, basic same story where I was like, okay, well, 
you know, you're at this age, your body is doing this thing. Um, and I think it's totally normal for you to look at porn, but there are things that you should know about porn, right? Um, first off, a lot of the things that they represent is not accurate yeah, <laughs> as a matter real. of fact. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so it's important to know that it's not real. It's important to know that, you know, here, here's the list of things that it's important to know about porn. Also, if you are doing this at the gym, there, then you could get in very big trouble, right? Yeah. If your teachers find out, is it worth it? You know, let's just go through the, you know, honest repercussions of what could happen given this, right? Mm. And then there is the, and what do you do next? Right. So, mm. you know, I am here to help you get through this. You, you don't, you know, it's embarrassing. You don't really want to talk to the other girls about it. You don't want to do it anymore. So how are we going to move forward? What are our steps together? Right. And then we create a plan and then we move forward. But um, I think, you know, when she talks about it now, some of the stuff was kind of, um, you know, it was porn. So it was, <laughs> it was too much for me even, right. um, but um you know, we talked about it. We even looked at some of it. And then um, I said, you know what? It's okay. Mm. This is the thing that happens. It happens to adults. Adults yes. get stuck in this situation. So I am not going to blame you or punish you for this. This is, this is what it is like to be a human. So now let's figure out what we're going to do now. Whoa. Um, wow. So let me let me share a, a story and I'm going to try not to uh, try not to signal which kid <laughs> this happened to but one of my kids um, same deal they you know on the phone um, they would go into the bathroom and they would you know that's where they would hide in order to access you know porn and interestingly uh, there was a, a sermon at, at church that talked about honesty and integrity. And uh, I can't remember if it was talking specifically about parenting and being, you know, a child that, I don't know, but something about it struck my child. And my child came to us and said, I'm sorry, I've been accessing stuff. I shouldn't. I want you to take my phone. Um, and had she not done that and I discovered it, I would have blown up on her, hit, uh, her or him. <laughs> Oops. Um, but because my child came to me, I was much more of the mindset that you just described, which was, hey, you know what? This happens. Let's work through it. Let's talk about it. Um, what did you see? Let me go ahead and look at some of what you saw. And so we can talk about it. And it turned into this really healing, healthy conversation but only because she, she came to me. Um, and so, but you're saying that when it happens, regardless of how, um, that's, the, that's the response of this is a teachable moment. That's kind of what I'm hearing from you. It's yeah, all- Yeah, I love you, I'm here for you, right? Yeah. That's what and hearing is. And it's all a teachable moment. Yeah. So that's very interesting. I'm going to review, because I've been doing like- when I talk to parents, I write down here lesson one, lesson two. I've got, I'm already down to lesson eight. Okay, oh so let me for the parents listening. Let me just review a few of the things that uh, Demetria has um, shared, and I'm going to be chewing on this for a long time, Demetria, because this is really some of this is really tough for me. To, but the first one is um, parents let your kids take broken things apart. Uh, I I love that. That's number one. And second West lesson is. Um, there is no getting away from 
tech. Every restaurant you go into, uh, uh, I mean, there's, there's now, you know, videos on billboards, right? You can't go anywhere without being immersed in technology. So as you described, um, inoculate your children by constant exposure and constant teaching around what's actually happening, why those technologies are there, what are they trying to do, and why are they, why are they in your face so often? Because they're trying to get you to buy stuff, right? Uh, lesson three, I love this. Passive versus active learning. Passive learning is like watching a television. Active learning is actually Google searching or YouTube searching and, and actually, so there's, there's something interesting there I hadn't thought about before. And then number four, uh, the idea of good trouble versus bad trouble. Um, you don't block access. You talk about something that happened that's not uh, ideal and you use it as a teachable moment. I'm hearing also from you lesson five, it's a, it's a shameless environment. Right? It doesn't sound like anything they could do that you would go, you would say to them, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed of you. Right. Or, or, right. Is that that's accurate? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that a kid can do. That's going to make me um, feel shame. That's just, you know, no, that's not part of our experience here. That is, <laughs> again, you're, you're like humbling me as we saw this. <laughs> Three more things again, inoculation, Lots of ongoing conversations about media, media literacy. Lesson seven, freedom. Uh, it allows the child to sometimes fall and bump their head, but again, it's a learning opportunity. And then the last one, lesson eight, is I'm here to help you. And then you said something that I really heard really loud and clearly because you said, I'm here to help you. Now let's create a plan and move forward. Right. So the yeah. idea of planning execution and evaluation is something that I am hugely high on because if a kid doesn't know how to plan, execute, and evaluate, actually set a goal, plan, execute, and evaluate, then they get stuck. And it sounds like you're constantly helping your kids get unstuck. Uh, that's really amazing. So here's a question I'm going to throw to you because I talked to a parent today. Uh, 12-year-old boy spends 12 hours a day on uh in video games i can't fortnite i think um uh he's a pretty good kid otherwise but he's not around for dinner he's not around like what what would you what would you do in that environment what would you what was the advice or coaching you might give to that mom mom and dad there's there's two or three things in our household that um we don't negotiate on one of them is dinner time um Mm. So you can play Fortnite 300 hours a day, but our one or two hours of dinner, non-negotiable. Mm. And um, all of our kids get to a certain age where they start bumping up against, hey, I'm on the I'm on the telephone or I have this thing to do or this thing. And um, we, you know, for all of our kids, different circumstances um, but somehow we aggressively say, okay, that's not happening. If that, so I'm anti turning off the internet unless they're late for dinner. <laughs> and then I give them 15 minutes and I say, hey, dinner's, and you know, I give them a huge window before dinner too. And we have a set 6.30 to 8.30. That's our dinner time, right? Mm. Um, with a little bit of fluctuation so they can plan around dinner, right? Yeah. Understanding that we go to dinner as a family. We don't bring technology to the, to the dinner table ever. Um, we sit there, we eat, and then we talk. Um, and a lot of people are like, why do you do that to your kids? Funny thing, my kids love it. 
<laughs> like um, one of my, one of the uh, my five year old, his friend was like, "Why do you always have to go to dinner?" And my eight year old <laughs> piped in. He was like, "Because it's fun, right?" <laughs> um, wow. So it's um, you know, it's it's an ordeal. Like we don't, and that's non negotiable. And I'm not saying that everyone should have a dinner time, but you should absolutely have a time that is a non negotiable. Hey, we're family, and we are doing this whatever amount of time. And yes. so that's for, for for things like Fortnite because really. Really, it is it I don't want to call it an addiction because I'm really opposed to that idea but you know it's it's you have to train yourself to be able to walk away yeah. right yeah um, and so part of my job is to make sure that happens so um I give you all of the boundaries around it and then I give you the freedom to do it yourself yes. and if you don't do it yourself then I just turn off the internet for about five minutes always turn it back on because yeah. what I don't want to do is create a situation that is where we're sitting there for an hour and my kid really just wants to get back to that game, right? Yes. It is a, a way to break your brain. You know, the other thing that I, I'm really big on, I have a psychology degree too, so that's mm. probably part of this process. But um, one of the other things that I do all year long is I have internet break times where, um, and it changes, you know, it'll be the same time for six months and then it'll change. And what happens is the internet just turns off. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Um, what do you hold on? I'm, I lost. You lost me there. Internet break time is that during a day, or during a week, or no? It's like a random time, <laughs> um, any day of the week, right? Um, so Monday through Friday, right now, it's either at noon or one, right? And oh. what happens at noon or one is the internet turns off. Okay. So the moment the kids realize that the internet is off, I turn it back on immediately. It is not an hour. It's not 15 minutes. It is literally a minute. Um, and that is because it is important to reset your brain. Mm. <laughs> so uh, it's really funny when I first started doing it, um, it was because I read this study about, um, they call it the doorway effect. Um, if you walk in or out of a door, it literally resets your brain. Um, and so then if there is something that, you know, it, so for instance, if you have something on your mind and I'm going to go tell this person this thing, um, the doorway effect is what happens when you walk through the door and you forget what you're going to say because you have a different environment. Yes. Um, and so it just, you know, you remember or you forget something, right? Um, it's a reset. So I have hard resets in our day, right? Um, so and, the internet will turn off. Somebody yeah. will realize it. I'll turn it back on. Yes. Yeah, so, and so because computer or games in particular are so immersive that right. break time allows them to kind of recover and realize oh my gosh I am sitting in my room um yeah. and, and I've been playing this game for four straight hours or something and I am hungry uh -huh. <laughs> uh, exactly. right and I do need to use the right? bathroom <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is that's what game companies want you to do yes. right um so all you if you do almost anything to just have your your reset then it's like you turn your brain back on Right. Um, so I, I also think a lot of this is about really it's about learning to um, understand what the game companies are doing, but also everyone, in my opinion, I've yet to meet a person who does not have something they want to accomplish. The beauty of Fortnite is it gives you a set of goals. You you actually get better. Right. Um, you can't get to point two or point three without accomplishing whatever they want to accomplish in point one and people fail to appreciate that their children are actually doing this process of goal building they're mm. just doing it 
inside of a not real world. Mm -hmm. And they're accomplishing things and they're working towards diligently. So, Mm -hmm. all right. So let me, let me, let me press, let me push back. Let me push back on that because um, it, it, it is a game that does not bring value to anyone but themselves and their the community of other gamers. Do you worry that it's building a a kid who only thinks about doing things that they enjoy, that they that they um well I don't agree with your premise yeah, first. Talk, talk um I think that um it is there's so many things that are positives from the gaming experience. Um in a game like Fortnite, you are spending a ton of time interacting with other people. Um, so if I have a child who is five, well, my five-year-old, um, who actually doesn't like Fortnite, so we don't we don't have a Fortnite issue, but yeah. um, he's got many friends who do. It just isn't his game. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the point is he can't play the game if he can't read. Oh. <laughs> right? So if I'm four and I can't read and all my friends are playing Fortnite, guess what I'm going to learn to do? Interesting. <laughs> um, right? Um, the, like, I, you know, I've, I've watched him play, like I said, he doesn't really play. So, yeah. um, but I, I, you know, I appreciate some of the strategies in the game. You have to walk into a room, check your surroundings, find treasure to get whatever you want to get, right? And is there teamwork um, involved as well? I was going to say it's cooperative play. Yeah. If you have someone else who is not doing their holding their, I don't know, bag, you know how you say, um, if they aren't taking care of their job, then you lose. Now, there's now, now here's the thing. There are some people who are like, okay, I guess we lost. But there are some people who are like, oh my God, we lost. You're never going to be my friend again. And yeah. learn, this is all, you know, I think very valuable skills that I think you can take into the real world. So that's a really interesting point. So one of the things that's frustrated me most about when my son went to public school was they, they you know, they would have these team assignments, but inevitably, uh, you know, there'd be four people on a team. My son would do 90% of the work and the other three would kind of hang on and they'd all get an A or something like that. And and it's, that's not real life, right? I've never been in a work environment where there's a team assignment and, and I'm carrying the bat, carrying the entire workload. And I don't say, Hey, Hey boss, uh, these three people are not helping at all. I'm sorry. I, I can't work with them again. Right. I, that's exactly what would happen. And boss would, would hear that once or twice. And those three people would start to ev- evaporate from the company. So in Fortnite, there is a consequence for the kid that's not working hard, working strategically, improving their skills, uh, working as a team. But in real life, in school, at least, uh, it doesn't it doesn't seem to have the consequence, unfortunately. Well, so my other thing is um, to you, back to you, when you said you have three people and you have the one person who's doing all the work and then that person goes to the boss, um, the guy who goes to the boss gets fired, you know, because he isn't a team player. <laughs> like, you also should never carry the bag, right? Like, um, my um, 25-year-old played World of Warcraft, and one of the things that I think he learned from that, and he you know, is he brings it back is if I'm on a team and I'm the only one who's working, I need to say something. To who? <laughs> um, to, to the, the team other man. people to on t- the team. Yeah, yeah team, team members. Right? Yes. I'm doing too much, guys. Uh, I need some help with this. Or maybe say, I am this thing that I am doing, I'm not good at. So mm. how about we switch to doing something else, right? Um, so it turns or, into a problem-solving scenario. Yes. And in both cases, right? Not just not just the one person doing everything, but also learning to pull your team in to work with you, 
right? Yeah. Did a lot of video game that, I mean, my, I, I, we're not 12 hours a day kind of people. We just aren't, but that child played the most of all of my kids. He is a programmer. Now he grew up, got a computer science degree, right? Mm. Um, he wanted his entire motivation was to become a programmer for video games. Mm. He got into school. He started doing databases. He started doing it, compilers. And he was like, I don't want to do games anymore. This other part of programming oh, is way more interesting. Interesting. Right. Interesting. Um, and he, so, yeah. So, so the, the game provided uh, the hook that drug yeah. him into a, a, a more expansive learning ex- opportunity. I think see, so. That, but that's, see, that's the worry that the mom I talked to today. Uh, and, and you know what, we're going to have to do this again, because there's so many more questions I want to ask you, but I don't want to spend an hour, you know, two and a half hours talking with you about this uh, for you or for the folks that are listening. But um, the mom I talked to today, her ultimate worry is that every moment that he spent playing the game is a moment that he's missing out on learning or doing something that's going to prepare him for a, a future that uh, that will make it a little bit easier for him in life. But your argument is, um, if you give them that access, that access, especially in the world of technology now, will actually create opportunities, uh, that may create opportunities for that child in, in ways that he might not have been accessing pre- previously. Is that what you're, what you're saying? Uh, yeah, and, and, and more than that. Um, so I'm going to try to sound not racist, because I am not racist, but... <laughs> Um, one of the things about the black community that I keep talking, I talk to my husband about this a lot where I'm like, how do you leapfrog? We live in a world that was literally built to keep us back. Okay. So we can't catch up. Catching up is not good enough. We literally have to go up and above. And how do you get, how do you jump over? Right. Um, And so I spent a lot of time thinking about that as a community. Like now we all can go to college. Yay. But guess what? Bill Gates's kids, they're not going to college. Elon Musk's kids. Part where we can catch up, we can't because they're moving on. If you are, you know, when you're talking to the communities that are talking about crypto and a lot of those kids, okay, those are the kids of the white people. 40 years ago who got to college. Yeah. You know what? Those kids aren't going to college. Um, Theranos found, founder, she, she, she's after two years, she cut out, right? So we're getting all this debt. We are not going to catch up. So how do we get, how do we leap? And I, I honestly and truly think that the only way we leap is to uh, say, bye guys, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, and to, yes, I think that we should give our kids all the tech they can get. And then I think we should leave them alone because we are smart people. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we just give them the opportunity to apply themselves, right? Because I don't think that no one does. I think if you look at a lot of the things that are happening inside of our communities, I mean, you know, again, psychology coming out, it's depression, yes. right? No what question. happens you can't get up, right? No question. And so, generation and, after generation has not. Yeah, yep. I, I'm, my, I have a niece who's a doctor and I watched her going through the whole program and I was like, okay, well, the reason that we can get here now is because it's all a scam at this point, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, in order to become a doctor, you are 500 grand or more in debt. Yes. So that wasn't true 50 years ago. So for if I say to my child, hey, let's go do this. The only way that we can do it is if we all go in debt together. Yes. No. 
I'm not doing that. I am instead going to create a way for you to do what they all did, <laughs> how they got there in the first place, right? So, okay, we definitely are going to have many more conversations, you and I, because there are so many places I'm like, okay, let's stop and let's spend 20 minutes talking about that issue. So, uh, but we don't have that kind of time. Uh, what you just described about this idea of leapfrogging for all the parents that might listen to this show, I want you to really hear what Demetri just said. The, the game, that's why this is called the education game, by the way, because the game of education, uh, you can play it a couple different ways. You can play it the old way, how everyone has played it for the last 40 years, or you could play it the way that Elon Musk's, Musk's kids exactly. are playing it, and they're not going to college. And then frankly, they're not even in school, right? They're doing say, something they completely school, different. Exactly. And I've talked to one of the teachers uh, at their at their school. It is not school. It is unschooling. It is uh, exposure and, and, and projects. And uh, what are you curious about? And that's all that I'm talking about in the education game. So if you want to win, you, you can play by, you got to pick your set of rules. Uh, and your argument is the old rules no longer apply. And I could not agree with you more. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone's going to try to convince you that they do, <laughs> but, well, um, but they do not, it yeah. does not work anymore. There's a whole so system now, what are we gonna do next. Yeah. Okay. Let's pause there. Um, we are going to talk again. This has been fantastic. I think you're really going to challenge parents to really start to really lean into this question of what do I do with my kid and their technology? Um, you're definitely challenging me because you know, my kids are now in, you know, six, 15 through 18, and we're kind of beyond the places where, uh, where they're having struggle, or they would have had struggle. Um, but it is something that you're, you're, you're creating a completely different model of how we do this thing we call learning. So thank you for your time, Demetria, and thank you for your wisdom and your expertise, and definitely going to come back and, and talk more. I hope you'd be willing to do that. Sure. I really appreciate being here. And I, I, I tend to be a loud mouth. So <laughs> I hope I didn't. <laughs> well, maybe I'll close on that point because uh, I, I, the language we use at the education game is a parent can be a head coach or an assistant coach. Um, and you, there's no doubt that you are a head coach. You are paying attention. You're strategic. You have a plan that you're trying to operate and you're not going to delegate or abdicate your responsibility to lead your child and you're not going to give it to a school that may not care as much as you do, right? So well, that is, <laughs> yes, the guarantee they don't care as much. Well, that is the point of a head coach. It is their responsibility and they own it and they make sacrifices and choices and, and they're very strategic in order to make sure their kids are prepared. And um, yeah, love, love talking with you. Uh, we will definitely do this again. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Say hi to your hubby and the kiddos, and uh, we'll talk again soon, okay? Okay, bye. All right, take care. Whew. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm stunned. I, uh, I do not have words for all the different things that I got on, from that conversation. Um, but the last point that she made about leapfrogging for the Black community, that's, that's language that I've used in the past uh, about how do we not just go to college? How do we actually prepare our kids for life after college? And frankly, in many cases, that means not going to college because you are already ready by the time you're 16 or 17 or 18 years old. I think her daughters and sons um, are great examples of that. Now, college may be in the works, but it's not 
uh, all that it has been cracked up to be. And certainly when we uh, talk about debt and the debt load that kids end up taking out to go to college. Um, anyway, we, it's a very different world. I'm going to just stop there and let you guys process this. We're definitely going to have Demetria back on. Um, and so thanks for listening. Again, this is Matt with The Education Game. Uh, hope, to, hope you learned something valuable here, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening, parents. I hope that this was useful, that it started to give you a bit more of an indication of how learning is shifting and, and the things that you as a parent need to be upskilled about. That's what we're about here in the education game. So we're thankful that you were here. Again, hopefully it was, list- it was helpful to you. Remember, you can call us to ask us questions free of charge about your family and your child's educational plan and learning journey. Uh, go to our website at theeducationgame.com slash contact. Click on the button there and schedule a time for us to have a conversation. Free of charge, completely free of charge. And it's just a service that we provide. It's underwritten by supporters. So thank you for those supporters as well. Hope this was helpful. Looking forward to seeing you next time on the Education Game Podcast. Take care.